Thank you to everyone out there who's been listening. The podcast has been growing faster than I expected with over 300 downloads from all over the world. The top five countries besides the United States are China, Canada, Finland, Australia, and Hong Kong. I'll see you guys out there. Speaking of Hong Kong, that's the topic of today's episode. Back in March, I went traveling across Asia for two months, and I stopped in Hong Kong to meet with a friend of a friend, Natalie Goni, and talk about her experiences living in Hong Kong for the last five years. She's originally from England, and I got to hear her perspective on living in an Asian city in a completely different culture, and some of the different ways that they do things, for better or worse. We also talked about her perspective as a Brit on American culture, and some of the things that we do well that maybe we hadn't really considered before. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Here is Natalie Goni. here in Hong Kong. I've been here for about 10 days and got introduced to Natalie through a mutual friend of ours, Kelly Mountain. And it's good to have you here. Thank you, Finch. It's good to be here. Yes. And um, so you are from the UK originally. I am. And you've been living in Hong Kong for five years. Is that right? Yep. Just over five years. And so I'm interested to hear your experience of a Westerner living in uh, Hong Kong, such an interesting city. It's, it's, I guess, technically part of China, but it's really Mm. kind of its own city state. And it's a quite unique place. Mm. So so we could start anywhere, but I guess I'm curious. uh, You told me a little before. What Mm. was it that brought you here to be in Hong Kong? Um, So in my previous life I worked in the corporate industry I worked for a big asset manager mm-hmm. and I was working in London I've been working for them for seven years six years seven years and I was actually meant to go to New York so there was a job that they were talking to me about in New York and um, I was really excited and that was all kind of going ahead and then um at the last minute they they actually said actually we're going to send someone else to new york but we have this job in hong kong and um would you be interested in going to hong kong so hong kong was somewhere that i'd 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 traveled lots of asia before but i'd never been to hong kong and never really thought about coming to hong kong or visiting or holidaying or or working or anything so um yeah it was a bit of a surprise but thought why not Mm -hmm. there's no reason not to so um yeah came to hong kong did you visit before making the decision yeah you just just rocked up rocked up and yeah but i kind of figured that it's kind of like any big asian city Mm -hmm. Um, Where else had you been in Asia before that, like big city-wise? Um, 
Bangkok, Tokyo, Kuala Lumpur, mm -hmm. Singapore. Um, where else? Uh, Hanoi and Vietnam. So mm -hmm. quite quite a few different places. Mm -hmm. So I figured it would be pretty similar. Mm -hmm. um, and it and it kind of and it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is kind of it's weird place it's it's kind of asian but not yeah, right. on the surface you kind of arrive and you're like oh this is um this is all pretty simple and people speak english and all the familiar brands are here and you go to hsbc and open up your bank account and um but under the surface there's just these kind of uh it's it is different it's it is you know, uh, an Asian city. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah. I, it's, it's unlike any place I've ever been before. Um, mm. it's a huge city. It's w one of the most densely populated areas on the planet. I think, mm. I think it is actually like between Shenzhen, China, Macau and Hong Kong. I think this is the most densely populated part of the world. Yeah. I think Mong Kok, is the most densely populated area in the world. Mm -hmm. And Mong Kok is it like a s little area. Yeah. It's a particular... On the Kowloon side. Part of Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you been? Uh, yeah. We did walk around there. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Is that where the sneaker street is? Mong Kok? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just tell people. Um, there's this weird area where <laughs> there's like all these... There's like... On a single block, there's like three Adidas stores and a Nike store and a Puma store. It's just all the sneaker brands. Yeah. And there's just like giant malls of only a, a few brands. And everyone's walking around wearing the same Adidas stuff. apparel. Yeah. It's like... Uh, it's weird. It's like a movie set or something mm. of like a commercial. Yeah. I, I do find that actually in Hong Kong. Like it's something I miss coming from London is the um the individuality of dress and um uh, i don't know like here people tend to stick to the kind of mainstream way of dressing and the brands and mm -hmm. people don't like to kind of s stick out too much mm -hmm. and i miss that actually yeah. something i miss definitely from london and europe yeah yeah the it's individuality kind of mm. right it's kind of surprising that people, I don't know, like, because we don't really do that either in the U.S. as much. Like, just in wear, just wear, I guess people wear brands and stuff like that, but I don't know, maybe it's just me. I'm, n I'm not trying to be a walking Adidas advertisement yeah. or anything like that, you know. Like, yeah. they're n it's not that cool. Adidas, I don't care. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, another really interesting thing about Hong Kong that struck me is because we were just talking about how densely populated it is mm. but in some in in some ways that's really surprising to me because mm. it doesn't feel crowded like like I would expect I mean I think there's seven million people in Hong Kong and it's not really a big s city like area wise mm. and there's huge skyscrapers um, all, like pretty much as far as the eye can see mm. uh, and I'll just give people a little basic layout of the geography so there's a big hill called victoria hill and victoria peak victoria peak yeah yeah thanks 
which has a great view. You can you can see the whole city, but um, coming down from the peak, like, and that's on Hong Kong Island, which mm. is its own separate island, and then there's a little a little strait between Hong Kong Island and what do you call the other side? Kowloon. Um, yeah, Kowloon, and then it goes into the New Territories, right, and then into China, right, yeah, and then. When you get to China, it's uh, Shenzhen, which is a huge city. I think 20 million people or mm. something crazy like that. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's not a very big area, and most of that area is filled with giant skyscrapers um, that people live in or work in or whatever. Mm. But I noticed that being down on the street, as even in the very busy areas, there's there's not that many cars or there's at least not many cars that I would expect mm. what I'm used to in, in most cities. Like most cities at the downtown is complete gridlock all the time. Mm. And there's, yeah, just people walking everywhere and crossing the street in all different places and taxi cabs and noise and chaos. Mm. But th there's actually enough space in the downtown. Like there's cars and buses, but, um, it's not jam-packed mm. and <clears throat> there's people but it's not jam-packed and one of the reasons for that is um, the whole well you called the city uh, a rabbit warren is that what you called mm, it yeah and there's all of these different ways to get around not just ground level but there's all these footpaths and walkways yeah. and the subway the subway is probably the best subway i've ever seen it's really cheap it's fast there's tons clean. of trains it's clean yeah people are respectful and yeah. orderly it's super efficient and you can get pretty much anywhere within t 30 to 45 minutes or yeah. so i think that actually sums up hong kong like it's efficient it's fast people are pretty orderly except for cheap it's not except cheap. for cheap yeah exactly but the subway is cheap yeah yeah Public transport is cheap. It's the only thing that's cheap in yeah. in Hong Kong. And it's so good between the subway and the buses that, you know, I don't know how many people in a car, not many, no. but uh, you don't need a car at all. No. And most people don't have them. And so you don't have the streets littered with cars. The cars that are around are kind of people's playthings. Yeah. Like BMW, Mercedes. Or, or Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tesla. 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 <laughs> <laughs> or even we saw some Lotuses, a McLaren, mm. Lamborghinis, Ferraris. Mm. That's not uncommon too. Mm. Um, because, <coughs> excuse me, I think Hong Kong has the most billionaires per capita of mm. anywhere in the world as well. Mm. There's an incredible amount of money here. There's an incredible amount of wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hong Kong. Um, I don't know. Is seven million people on a very small piece of land, and we've just found a way to coexist with each other in a way that kind of works. Mm -hmm. Like there's that you you're always around people pretty much, mm -hmm. even when you you kind of make the the decision to go on a nice country hike you know at the weekend there's like hundreds of other mm -hmm. people that have decided to do the same thing so you never you never feel 
alone really mm-hmm. but I think because of the lack of space there's just been this adaptation of um it's not politeness in the way like in England where everyone's over polite and there's pleases and thank yous and sorries every time you bump into someone and it's it's different it's just a um a consideration that there's always people around you mm-hmm. and so things like noise and dress and yeah it just kind of works like i hong kong people i don't know if you found this but it's not known for being the warmest of cultures or or cities but i read an article a while back that that talked about the fact that because everyone is so jammed in together you kind of you you don't always spend time speaking to other people on the street because there's just so many people and mm-hmm. you've kind of got to find a way to kind of create your own little zone mm-hmm. in this in this tiny space with so many people yeah so um but but when you actually get to know people like generally people are, are considerate and nice to each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah it just kind of works but there's something culturally that makes it work because yeah. I don't necessarily feel that in American cities, uh, like which are way less densely populated. Mm. But there's there's like a tension in America, mm. like a r- like an obvious racial tension, mm. but a cultural clash and tension where, like I I was thinking the other day how. Growing up, we always said America was a melting pot, or we were taught that, that it's a melting pot of cultures, Mm. but it's really more like a bento box where Mm. everything's pretty separated. Like there's, there's all of these different areas where like, oh, this is like where the Hmong people live. And this is where like the Ethiopians and Africans are. This is where like the Vietnamese and Filipinos are. They're Mm. kind of separated into these different areas and it's not, doesn't really mix Mm. um thoroughly and it does here and like there's just kind of um like a mutual respect that people have where and like people people line up for buses and stuff like that they're not Mm. just like all in this huge uh crowd trying to like pile in past each other Mm. you know there's yeah there's just an orderliness that people respect and um I don't know how that came to be or yeah. how we can get some of that, but it I, works really well. Yeah, I think it's a lot of different things, though, because it is pretty ho- homogenous, really. Like, you, you haven't got a huge amount of different ethnicities. I mean, you do. Mm-hmm. You have um, a big Indian and Pakistani community that were actually, um, you know, second generation born in Hong Kong. Um but it's not massive. And then you've got, you know, what people would call expats, but actually we're not expats, we're immigrants. Mm. You know, Americans, Australians, Brits, um, Canadians. But really it, it, the numbers are, are, are small. So overall it's pretty homogenous in terms of Chinese Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's Hong Kong people and there's mainland Chinese people too. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but mainly, well, more more Chinese now, but mainly Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what's interesting? What I was as I was listening to you talk about the states and 
I think you almost sometimes get a trade-off. Like, in places where you do have that tension of different groups and different ethnicities and, and therefore different cultures and ways of thinking and... Um, you get a bit more creativity, you get a bit more creative tension. Mm. So I think with the, just the general people tension, you get creative tension. Whereas here, I don't think you, I think that's missing. Mm. So although it's kind of orderly and it's um, efficient and I think that that tension that you you talked about is, it, it can be a good thing and a, sure. and, and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our friend Kelly was kind of talking about that too, how um, Hong Kong people really seek experience that that are out there. They kind of crave um, external culture in in a way. And um, that kind of new stimulus or new inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, because there there isn't that here really. And I think it's just because, well, for many different reasons i think yeah it's just more homogenous in terms of culture there isn't just that just isn't the space um there isn't the variety of people there isn't the investment in in art and and things like that music so um yeah it's it's different Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you were saying the other day about live music yeah there's little bands and stuff that play at bars but there isn't there isn't a lot of like international scene here music and and art and stuff like that i saw i saw that katie perry is coming to hong kong yeah i know (laughs) but she's the only one because her posters are like all over all the subways yeah like oh somebody's an american's coming to hong kong it's like a big deal and and i don't think there was even and that previously like i was i've been here for five and a half years and um there hasn't been that many like big artists that come through hong kong they go to singapore but or bangkok but not really hong kong and and i think part of that is also i don't really know why but what i do know is the the big kind of um like conference convention center where they have the the big music concerts the sound is really bad oh. um and so i wonder whether it's a venue thing as well mm-hmm. but um and maybe it's just it's like not really their thing culture it's not their expertise they're not quite dialed into that yet. yeah but i bet though there's some uh, Hong Kong to me feels like there's a lot of opportunity here. I mm. mean, there's there's a lot of people, there's a lot of money, and people people crave those kind of experiences. Some if somebody were to bring in their external expertise, mm. you know, and and y- you'd obviously have to determine whether there's an openness to that mm. or a market for that. But I feel like there there's so much um, growth happening here, like. Just at Victoria Peak, I was looking down over the city, and there's this huge skyscraper still going up everywhere, mm. like under construction, and they're building a giant bridge between Hong Kong and yeah, Macau. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're building so much, and they have been, mm. like, for many years. And this is, I think of Hong Kong as, like, a city of the future. It mm. really is. I'm like, wow. They're, Hong Kong is so much more advanced already today mm. in, in some ways than... many other cities that i've been to 
in and what it way? still is just like it's still blooming you know mm. what how do you say it's advanced um i feel like there isn't a lot of resistance to doing things a better way or mm. the best way mm -hmm. like there's a sort of, it's hard to describe, it's kind of abstract, but I, I get this sense that there's like this visionary quality of like, where are we in the present and where do we want to move to in the mm. future? Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, we have a traffic problem. How are we going to fix that? Oh, we want to open up this, open up access between Macau and Hong Kong. Let's build this. How long is that bridge? Six, <laughs> no, 60 it's miles it's or ridiculous. It's so long and yeah. so expensive. And in the U.S., we're constantly trying to do things to improve our infrastructure and mm. our country. And it just doesn't. They're like, oh, it's too expensive. And like, what are we spending money on? Mm. I don't even know. Like, how come other places can just see like, oh, this is what we need and mm. they make it happen. But but then saying that it, it's it's a different uh, and I and I agree to a certain extent. Um, that's why I love living here, because it feels like anything is possible like if something you know breaks or you need to get something done you can get it done within a day yeah you don't have to like call someone and then wait a week for them to come around or you know it's like it's literally like let's make shit happen yeah but then saying that like that bridge that they're building is i mean yeah god knows how much money they're spending on it i mean china's got a lot of money but there's like quite a lot of people that have died building that bridge yeah like there's it, it's not on the news a lot that I, I can't remember why i read it or i think it might have been on the tv news um about a year ago um but a lot of the people and so i don't know how many but there are kind of deaths that are mm -hmm. um i don't know being sacrificed for th for that bridge whereas i think sure. somewhere like in the states that just wouldn't happen mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so like they just yeah i think i do um like there's certain certain standards that they don't yeah. necessarily adhere to like safety standards or you know possibly food standards i don't i don't know yeah but or air quality standards certainly yeah that's one not so nice thing about hong kong is it's very polluted yeah yeah exactly so i think that there there's yeah i'm not really sure how to articulate it but it's it is very different to somewhere like the states or the uk who has been who've been you know kind of done all their big bridge building mm -hmm. and infrastructure now it's like it's kind of like maintenance or or trying to find ways to to make it better from when it was built, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much in the States, but um, whereas here it is all still quite new, but there's almost a bit of sacrifice that mm -hmm. is They're going into that as well. Out the kinks of how to do it all. Yeah. I or don't how to do it properly. Yeah. It's just more, p there's less, less standards. There's more people, more people that need money and work and, um willing to to do whatever they need to do to get to 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 get that mm -hmm. money that income yeah i could see that and mm. there's a lot of 
one uh, one thing I read too about Hong Kong is there's massive wealth disparity. Yeah. Where, you know, you have um, the largest number of billionaires per capita of any city in the world. Yeah. But you have people who, they're you know they could be like um, immigrants. I think from the Philippines. Yeah. In particular, is a country that a lot of people come from, but on like a specific worker visa where you, um, many of them are like housekeepers and things like that. Domestic helpers. Domestic helpers. And it's a specific visa where like you have to live with the person, you live in their home, so Mm -hmm. you're not taking up more space. But they, I don't think they really get, get paid or I'm not sure really what the, or they do, but it's most of their work arrangement is kind of, ability to be here i think yeah they g- they get paid but they it's pretty um, you know minimum there is a minimum wage mm-hmm. um i can't remember what it is M- might be 10 10 dollars an hour which is like a dollar like a dollar 30 us yeah. 1 dollar 30 cents i think it might be that but i'm not sure but essentially they cuz they have to live in they get their food and like lodging paid for yeah um but they they only have one day they only have sundays off a week mm-hmm. um and a lot do live out and i think they might have just changed the law so they can live out mm. but yeah if they do live out they they mostly live in like boarding houses and six seven women sharing one apartment and that's pretty small anyway right yeah and the some of the apartments here are like notoriously tiny like yeah like closet space and you were telling me that um when they calculate the square footage they'll calculate every bit of surface area like yeah. even window sills yeah. and stuff like that so so you'll think it's a certain amount but when you go in there that usable space is actually far less yeah exactly yeah so there there is a a big wealth disparity mm-hmm. but then saying that i think there is everywhere isn't there in the big cities that's probably true. I don't. I'm not sure. Um, I think some places are certainly worse than others, but it's just it's so expensive here. You know, just mm. the, yeah, the cost of things it makes it more difficult too. Mm. I think that just however much money you earn uh, doesn't go as far. I imagine because so many things are imported. Mm. I imagine. I mean, I don't know really what. Hong Kong produces domestically. Mm. Certainly a finance-based economy. Yeah, I don't, nothing, I don't think. Mm-hmm. They grow rice on Lantau, I noticed. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that goes. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Lantau is the biggest island and the least populated island. Mm. Um, of which Hong Kong. Of Hong Kong, mm. yeah, which they're currently developing. Mm. And... But it's kind of a cool place. Like, that's yeah. that's where you're saying probably people go hiking is out yeah. there. Or there's other spots too. But yeah. there's actually quite a bit of nature left and hills. And I mean, it's very natural. And mm. there's natural springs out there and wild mm. water buffalo and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and little Buddhist temples and mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we are. This is you know, we are very lucky living here, and and that's why I live in Asia and and have no plans or desire to go back to the UK anytime soon there, there is just something different about the energy here mm-hmm. of being in Asia 
it's different. I mean, especially with everything that's going on right now in in the states and in Europe, it's um, mm-hmm. it's sometimes you can be in a bit of a bubble in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a nice bubble. Yeah. As well. Yeah, I'm considering moving to Asia as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I before I left, I thought. Because Kelly said such good things about Hong Kong, mm. and I was really interested to come here and check check out the possibility of living here. Mm. And I think if I have my heart set on Taiwan. I like Hong Kong a lot, mm. but um, the culture there is even warmer. Yeah, and it's actually warmer too, climate wise. It's yeah. tropical. It's the same more space latitude as Hawaii. Yeah, more space. Yeah good tea really good tea good amazing fresh food. food and it's yeah. cheap that's like another thing too is yeah. it's it's surprisingly cheap yeah and it's only yeah. an hour away on a by by flight yeah so it's actually really i think taiwan is actually really underrated super underrated. they, they kind of keep it quite quiet yeah. like i'm letting if the secret you, out yeah <laughs> if you're from the uk or the states or you don't really know anything about Taiwan no. other than maybe stuff was made there like in the 80s exactly. or something. And but it's, it's like it kind of a part little of China. gem. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. All right. I'm curious what people know about Taiwan. I grew up in the, in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley mm. and half of my high school was people of Asian descent, mm. Asian American children born in states, but you know, many of their parents were from Taiwan or China or, you know, various places, but mo- mostly China or Taiwan. Mm. So I grew up in Asian culture, I think, more than most Americans did. Mm. Uh, but and I'm when you I'm say c- Asian, you mean like Chinese, Taiwanese? Korean, Korean. Japanese. Okay. Um, trying to think. That was pretty much it. So mm. Some Vietnamese. Mm but not not really any Filipinos or um, Hmong or other mm. Indonesians or anything like that, but uh, kind of more affluent Asian countries, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mostly Chinese, yeah, in my school. Um, but I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious what Westerners or what Americans do know about Taiwan. I imagine almost nothing. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, what can I say about Taiwan? It's, well, I met an American from Ohio when I was in Taiwan who was teaching English, and I was really curious about his experience because I'm considering doing the same. And so he said that he had his own place, and so did his buddy who was from South Africa, who he had traveled almost the entire world. He'd been, like, to almost every country in the world. Um, Mm. And he was somewhere in his 30s but he said taiwan is his favorite country really it's a big statement it's a big statement Mm. and um but the american he was saying it was super easy to get to get there um they want they want people especially people with american accents or Mm. you know uh like the ohio accent is or midwestern accent is very subtle and california accent is non-existent pretty much Mm. um we use certain California words, but, um, but he was saying that he had his own place and 
uh, it was in a more expensive part even than most other people is live. This is in Taipei. This is in New Taipei City, which is like right next to Taipei. Okay. It's kind of weird that there's a Taipei City and a New Taipei yeah, City. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but he, they said that they s- they very easily save half of their income, mm. you know, w- with um, just living somewhat simply, but j- but just the way they want to live. Uh, you know, food is cheap, drinks are cheap. Um, they hang out and they work, mm. and um, but yeah, they were saving half of their money, and I don't know. There's just so many good things about Taiwan. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's just it's a different energy. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a different energy to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it probably depends on. It's what much you're into more American influence. Yeah, here is like probably a little bit more British, maybe more British, or British yeah. Canadian. Mm-hmm. But still, both places are very much Asian, like mm. culturally, you mm. know. But just that that tinge of western influences mm. uh, from different origins yeah i have been to the barbie cafe in taipei oh that's pretty american what I- what is that it's like barbie barbie the doll. as in the doll yeah mm-hmm. it's really weird huh and everything has got so much sugar in it it's <laughs> it's crazy what, it, what like what what are they like serve? little macaroons and cakes and in shapes of barbies and all the waitresses are in like little barbie outfits and it's really weird that sounds weird yeah yeah it's kind of fun it sounds like something i'd see in japan yeah yeah my friend just went to the pokemon cafe <laughs> in tokyo which looked bizarre yeah yeah there's some weird stuff in tokyo super weird yeah so what I'm curious to you. We were sharing a little bit of your thoughts about America. <laughs> uh, I want to talk more about that. That's always fun for me. Yeah. Just to hear the, hear like a foreigner's perspective on on our country or yeah. like the things that you think we do well or the things that are totally crazy. It make no sense to you. Oh my God! Where do I start? Right. <laughs> I'm I'm quite fascinated by it actually. Um well we were we were just talking earlier about the um I was making the observation that Americans kind of grow up with this inbuilt confidence mm-hmm. and like kind of I don't know is it bravado like I don't know what it is a a, a courage or uh <laughs> confidence yeah it's just it's it's, it's a self confidence Mm-hmm. that Brits don't have because Americans it seems like you know there's just this culture of um anything is possible and live your dream and um it's a real kind of like go for it you can achieve anything kind of and and I don't know if this is true or not but the do you, did you do show and tell at school oh yeah yeah so we only we only know this from American movies. Oh, okay. Like show and tell, like you get up and you talk about, I don't know, something you want to show and tell. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really do anything like that, as in 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 the UK. Hmm. So like from a very early age, you're you're kind of trained to speak in front of groups of people to 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 be really bold about who you are and what your strengths are. Hmm. 
Um, and I'm always really fascinated by that. I've, I've always worked with a lot of Americans and uh, well, worked for an American company for a long time. And I was just always fascinated in how Americans talked to each other and how they talked about like everything was amazing and <laughs> awesome. And like Brits, we would be like on the other end of the conference call kind of rolling our eyes. <laughs> I, I was on a conference call once with my American colleagues. This is, this is HR people. And um, it was all like probably about 20 people in New, in New York, a few people f from California. And then a group of Brits on the phone, all in the same HR team. And I can't remember, what it, it might have been Christmas or some kind of annual celebration. And the American team just started singing like gospels and not gospel, like hymns and some kind of <laughs> sort like, but it was really serious. Mm -hmm. And like as Brits, we were all on the other end of the phone going, Oh my God, what's going on? Did they expect us to sing? But there was there was no irony in what they were doing. Uh -huh. Whereas Brits kind of can't do anything like that without like taking the piss. You would never do that. We would just never do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But Brits, we're kind of um, I don't know. We're we're sort of you're you're taught not to to be to brag. You know, uh -huh. if you if you brag about who you are or your achievements or, you know, that's not seen as something that's um, celebrated. Yeah. But it it kind of, I don't know, it kind of, um, you can definitely see why, why Americans are successful in a lot of things mm -hmm. because that is inbuilt in, built in mm -hmm. you. You know, I never thought about that, at, uh, like show and tell. As yeah. something that would be confidence building, or yeah. and that now I'm just thinking too in school, uh, um, the teacher will ask a question and you know students raise their hand that you know like call on me I want to I want to say the answer mm. right but there's always shy kids that there you always have those go getters that are always raising their hand and always wanna to answer mm. to give the right answer and then. Uh, the teacher will like make sure to call on anybody or at least uh, on everybody. Sorry. Yeah. A, lo a lot of my teachers did this. And then there's the shy kids that never raise their hand and the teacher would call on them. I was one of those that yeah. just, I'm like, oh, please don't call. I always knew the answer. I'm like, don't call me. I don't want to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is that kind of, there, there is that kind of encouragement of, mm. of children. And yeah, we would do art projects and we'd do all kinds of stuff to yeah. help us get in touch with who we are maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that is a, I think that is a good thing. Yeah. I, you know, in when I've been through my career and um, worked with Americans, I definitely see the 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 benefit of that for sure. Mm -hmm. One thing I always used to um, and and maybe this is probably really generalizing, but one thing I always used to notice when I was in like a room, just with Americans, they would all be everyone would be talking, but all talking over each other, <laughs> and I'd be like, what are they doing? What wh where do I where do I jump in? Mm -hmm. And and I learned something, and it's hard to to uh, articulate it without drawing it, but. Americans actually 
talk you know that's the way that you speak you kind of talk over each other and there's not a natural you 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 sense when there's a nat when it's time for you to speak mm-hmm. and that will generally be before the other person has finished their sentence but that's kind of that's normal mm-hmm. whereas somewhere like japan there's a natural pause between when everyone speaks mm-hmm. so there there's there's the indication of oh it's my turn to speak now because mm-hmm. there is a a natural silence mm-hmm. so it's like two opposite ends of the extreme mm-hmm. and i actually like that in yeah. asian culture that because i i feel i mean i i've felt frustrated at times with everyone talking over each other because i feel like no one's listening to each other yeah. everyone's talking no one's listening or um yeah sometimes there be sometimes by uh it's it's important to build up the ego in a way to like have self-confidence but it gets out of control sometimes and you have all these egos trying to get their their word in yeah and and i think that what you just said then i think that's where the challenge comes in i think americans are raised to be confident and to to show and tell and um to have that that inbuilt self-confidence but what then doesn't happen is the listening and mm-hmm. the reflection and the the self-reflection and the pause. And mm-hmm. I think that's, and we're generalizing here, like totally, but yeah. I think that's what um, is missing. And, and you can kind of see that in the culture, yeah, right? You can s- kind of see what's happening now in the States and, and that inability to listen is... I'm totally generalizing here. Like, that's I hope you're fine. not taking offense. No, I'm not offended. <laughs> <laughs> but in a way, that's kind of what's quite nice about Asia. Again, generalizing, but there's there's more, I think, the, the culture and the basis in a lot of Buddhist religion and there's a lot of self-reflection time and and focus on silence and listening. And, and I know. think that that's one of the reasons that people are not pushing over each other yeah. in the city you yeah. know that there there's more of a an inherent understanding of space mm. and listening and mm. people people are much more aware of their surroundings as well you mm. know or aware of like people just ve- very rarely bump into each other even in central station in hong kong which is super busy super crowded during mm. rush hour and people are moving all kinds of different directions. You don't oh, and you don't watching videos and playing Candy Crush yeah. while they're walking. Yeah. yeah. And like dragging bags behind them and stuff. Yeah. People have incredible spatial awareness where you you can just see through the crowd and see the gaps to walk and and people are not there's a, there's a kind of way that people walk in busy cities sometimes where they're they're leaning forward, you know, they're just, mm. they're rushing and they're, they're just trying to get there 10 seconds faster for no reason. Mm. It's not like that here. It's not like that at no. all. No. I, I always found that really weird coming from London where everyone is, you know, rushing to get somewhere. And I always found it so weird in Hong Kong that people would just be like cruising. Yeah. It's like, well, haven't they got somewhere to go? And, but I, yeah, I don't know why that is the case. You know, I, I just thought of one thing. I I have not worked in the corporate world myself, mm. um, but I have a buddy who did, and I just asked <laughs> him one day. I was like, yeah, "I have a buddy." Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked him one day, um, 
hey, what percentage of the corporate world do you think runs on coffee and ca- caffeine? And he mm. was like, oh, at least 90%. Definitely. Yeah. And I wonder how much of an effect that has with everyone mm. and their nine to five jobs and their, you know, they're underslept, they're stressed, mm. they are topping up on caffeine in the morning to just try and get themselves going. And mm. there's just that rush, rush, rush. Whereas here, it's more of a tea culture. Mm. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people do drink coffee, but I don't really know. Mm. But it seems like it would obviously be far less of a coffee culture. Yeah. it. I mean, you've got, you know, everyone loves Starbucks here and you've got the Hong Kong equivalent, which is Pacific Coffee. Um, but yeah, on the whole, generally, I think it's people are less coffee drinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the stress is still here. Mm. That like pe- people work long hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they live in tiny apartments, so the stress is still here. But yeah, it's maybe it's like slightly less high octane. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like if it's it's different to somewhere like New York, where everyone is like, you know, three espressos by eleven a.m. kind of thing, and yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's is a focus on hard work and being, you know, showing face at work, being there, mm-hmm. but probably less achievement orientated. Does that make sense than somewhere like New York? Mhm. Yeah. It's like I'll I'll work because working hard is is a good thing and I, and I want to earn money, but it's not necessarily because I want to it's not have as the corner off. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And there's more focus on the collective. They're not as ambitious. Well, th- in a certain kind of way. Well, I think maybe it comes back to like Asian cultures tend to be more we and the collective, whereas Americans, Australians, Brits to a certain extent tend to be more individualist. Mm-hmm. Like I, what can I achieve? Yeah. So like when I even would even at the cost of stepping over other people. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's part of it, right? That's I mean, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I part of part of the kind of unspoken um ethos of like American capitalism I- is that you know, to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. Mm. And there's this kind of idea that uh, there can only be one king of the hill mm. and everyone's trying to get there. There's kind of a competitive mentality. Mm. Um, and that's seen as a good thing. That's seen as a good thing. Mm. And I don't think it's necessary. I don't think that that competitive mentality is necessary for success. And in fact, I think it's detrimental to the society. Mm. I mean, you do get some, you know, rock stars that really rise to the top and and are incredible business people that, you know, make things happen Mm. um but then you get other people who yeah there's just a greed element Mm. and maybe that's just a human thing but i feel like it's encouraged yeah in western society yeah definitely and it's interesting actually because in hong kong you talk about you you talked uh, you said earlier about uh, how many billionaires there are per capita Mm -hmm they're actually really low key. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't, I mean, there's a couple of 
Um, there's a guy called Lee Ka-shing who's just retired. He's like 90. He's one of the richest men in Hong Kong. And his son has just taken over his, his empire. He owns a lot of... I don't know too much about him, but he owns a lot of property and he's very, very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's pretty low-key. Um, and all for all the other billionaires there are here, they're, they're quite low-key. So it's almost like you're rich, but you, you kind of stay humble with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think... So unusual. Yeah. In the States, yeah. it's like, you know, you've got Trump, you've got people that are very well known. Mm-hmm. Their wealth is like part of their personality, yeah. part of their character. And it's seen as a as a thing to be celebrated. Right. Whereas wealth here is celebrated. I mean, everything is orientated around wealth, like Chinese New Year, all the greetings are about having good fortune and and health and wealth, but it's it's just got a different quality attached it's to it. It's more in balance, I think. It's it's seen as an aspect of like a necessary aspect to a healthy life which yeah. I, I think you know there's kind of almost like a cultural backlash in the states now against money because mm-hmm. of the greed of corporate capitalists and and their w- some of their willingness or even companies willingness to you know, drive for the prof- the bottom line, uh, even at the... Anything but yeah. focus on the bottom line, yeah. Yeah, you know, a- and, you know, trying to under uh, influence politicians and, and undermine laws and regulations to try to get their way to mm. do things cheaper, even if it's poisoning the water and mm. all this kind of stuff. And so in some circles, I feel like... Um, money kind of has is getting like a bad name that like money's a bad thing mm. you know yeah I, I know what you mean but there does feel like there's this tension because it's also being celebrated like the fact that trump's in power right you know the the fact that he people see him as a successful businessman right you know just because he's a very extravagant he's very extravagant um what's the word like very obvious with his wealth mm-hmm. um like well, who was it i saw a quote the other day i th- i think it was barack obama actually who said something about like ask any successful businessman they wouldn't in america they wouldn't say that trump is a successful businessman like he's he's like a cartoon successful businessman sure but he's people a lot facade. of people yeah a lot of people see him as this kind of american mm-hmm. ideal of success yeah you know i mean for for a long time we have idealized material material wealth that, mm. that it's so weird that we grow up with the saying that money, money can't buy happiness yeah but um, all the advertisements and you know the 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 top attainment of life for many people or at least it's as it's advertised to us is you know the boats and the cars and the women yeah. and the watches and the nice place and yeah and, the and all, all this kind of stuff yeah which i don't know it to me it was always obvious that uh, that doesn't really make you happy because look at the people who have that are mm. and listen to what they say. Are they necessarily necessarily happier? Mm. No, but there still is that idealization of 
material wealth mm. and that people really strive for. They're motivated by it, you know. Mm. It's like the carrot at the end of the stick that makes you run faster. Well, I wonder if it's because there's not an alternative. Or that they don't know about it? Yeah, is that exactly. Not that there isn't, but they. W- what's the other option? You know, they don't necessarily have a... I don't know, the meaning that... Yeah, like if not that, then then what yeah yeah if if not you know a nice car nice house um nice holidays then what yeah i don't think people know a lot you know Mm. i feel like um in a previous era in america community there was more community and neighborhoods were closer there's there still are places like this but Mm. a lot of people don't know their neighbors anymore or Mm. you know know the people at the end of the street um people aren't as close to their families i feel like um people feel less connected to each other yeah to me that's something i derive a lot of meaning from in life is Mm. my relationships and you know investing that time in getting to know somebody and doing things together mm. and, and sharing experiences. Mm. Um, and of course there's like personal wellness stuff too, right? Just taking, taking good care of yourself and getting good rest and meditating or, or those kind of things. Yeah. Well, this is, I think that it's, it's connection to others and it's connection to self. Mm-hmm. I think pe- a lot of people don't feel, and, and maybe, a lot of people wouldn't know what I mean by that, but a lot of people don't feel connected to themselves. Right. And so they, they're looking for things outside of themselves to feel connected. Mm-hmm. Or they feel empty inside and they're trying to fill it from yeah. the external world. Yeah. Or they don't love themselves. They're trying to get somebody else to love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, and it's an issue... All over the world, I think. Mm-hmm. I um, have you heard of Bruce Parry? No. He is a British um, TV presenter, I guess. He's not. He's a. I don't know what you'd call him. A um, adventure. No. What does he do? He, he so he he was ex British Navy and did all these kind of. Um, I'm losing my words, like trips to crazy places and jungle expeditions. Is he kind of like a Bear Grylls type of guy? Mm, not quite, but yeah, you're on, you're on the right track. But mm-hmm. he, he basically did this program in the UK called Tribe, and I loved it. And this was probably about 10 years ago, and he lived with all these different tribes around the world. And it was all about seeking you know what their lives were like and it was it was very different to your kind of average that kind of program because he just had this charm and this way of he did he lived with them he did everything they did he really connected with them and Mm. um and he's just released this new film called tawai tawai and it's all about one of the tribes he stayed in called the penan tribe which is from Borneo and he basically went back to them because they were the only tribe where like in all the other tribes that they 
they were still affected by the things we're affected by in, in the Western world, like hierarchy and um, a disconnection from nature and, um, yeah, just, just different challenges. Whereas this tribe, were they've got this deep connection with nature, and that's what, that's what their word Tawai means, is their feeling of being connected to nature. And because they, the way they live, there's no hierarchy, there's no need to kind of impress people within the tribe or, um, you know, like buy things for their, to, to show who they are and their identity. They've just got this, they've just got less trauma than, than we have mm -hmm. in our lives, but less stress, like hardly any stress. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's filmed a whole film about them because, you know, he's just really interested in, um, what can we learn from them in in the way we live um in terms of our connection to nature and our connection to material things and uh, i haven't seen the film because it's only in the uk showing in the uk but mm -hmm. it sounds amazing mm -hmm. and um he's he it's all about this very topic of connection and disconnection and what that what that's doing to people in the world and yeah mm. Yeah, it's, I feel like uh, it's a growing challenge in the modern world to, to stay connected to nature, you know, especially mm. being someplace like Hong Kong, which yeah. is just, I don't know, I mean, it's certainly different than the forest. I don't know if you would call it unnatural. Mm. I, I've heard this perspective that, um, like, this person didn't like Divi dividing between the natural world and the human world mm. that like the human world is the natural world like we can't we came from this earth and we're you know yeah. just like like would you look at a termite hill and say that's unnatural this like giant structure what that they, they built, built yeah. right it's this is what we build yeah um and yeah. we have the ability to create new things out of nature mm. you know um but you know, I'm I'm going to Singapore. Have you been there? Yeah. In Singapore. I'm yeah. really interested to see that city. I think of that city as also a city of the future because yeah. they're they have these skyscrapers, very modern, very efficient buildings, but they also incorporate gardens into them. And there's mm -hmm. like all these plants hanging and um, these giant uh, I don't know what they are like metal sculptures that vines are growing up mm. and one day they're gonna they, they, they're gonna look like these giant trees just yeah. tree sculptures in the city it's a beautiful looking city yeah also you know an economic powerhouse and they've really kind of like embraced and refined the capitalist model into a way that actually works mm. better mm. from what i understand which mm. is not very much yet i want to learn more about it but mm. you know i think I think there's a way to incorporate that natural aesthetic and the the energy and charge and feeling of well-being that we get in nature mm. in the natural environment. I think there's a way to soften the edges of our buildings and incorporate more plant life and mm. into them too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I think of like Star Trek and stuff like that, all the buildings in science fiction that look futuristic. I'm like... That looks like a beautiful city. Mm. Like, why don't we start making things like that? It's yeah. Cool. Well, they're doing that in China as well. So a lot of the new buildings that they're 
building in like you know cities of 20 million people that we've never even heard of mm-hmm. they're building amazing um kind of i guess you'd call them eco-friendly i don't know how eco-friendly they are but um aesthetically mm-hmm. eco-friendly like with greenery on the outside and um more efficient in terms of the energy they use and so china is definitely um and really futuristic as well Mm -hmm. so they're building some really cool stuff Mm -hmm. um but yeah singapore is definitely more accessible and it's and it's there you can see it you can see um what they're trying to do and and that's what what i love about singapore when you get off the the airplane i mean when you come out of the airport and you're coming from the airport into the cities in the cab like the road that goes into the city is just trees and pink flowers and it's just it's so nice mm. it you can feel the difference as soon as you um even the airport actually the airport is amazing mm-hmm. and there's like they've got a butterfly garden and koi carp ponds and um all sorts of very natural yeah kind of yeah aesthetics and and things it's it's you you feel it as soon as you land yeah it's amazing and hong kong has some of that too like you took me to hong kong park where there's yeah koi ponds and and gardens and there's a big aviary there yeah and um it doesn't feel like you're in one of the most densely populated cities in the world when you're in there i mean you can see all the skyscrapers around still but you're like kind of in amongst the yeah the the trees and things like that yeah again i think i don't know is it an asian thing like asia does it is quite good for spaces for contemplation and and i think there's a lot of superstition around things like koi carp and Mm. water and and having that near your buildings yeah exactly or Mm. um near yeah near your buildings or in your buildings or so it that maintains that those beliefs maintain a at oneness with nature i -hmm. think that in the western cities we've we've forgotten Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. and uh there's a similar thing in japan too i went to this temple i think it was in tokyo might have been another city Mm. but you get off the subway and you walk through the the red gate which is called a tori mm. it's like a japanese temple gate you walk yeah. through there and you're just walking down this path and before you know it you're in the forest and you're like mm. right in the middle of tokyo or whatever city it was mm. and there's this long walk through the forest and you get to this beautiful temple that's there and so the old japanese religion is called shinto mm. which is it's a i guess you'd say an animistic um it's not really a religion. It's like a spirituality or philosophy, yeah. uh, somewhat shamanic. And they believe that everything is alive or everything has an energy, that the, the trees have spirits, the rocks have spirits. Mm. And so this Shinto temple, they believe that, you know, it's 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 a shrine or um, a... Um, a place of worship to appreciate the sp- the nature spirits, mm. and so they keep all the nature around it because that's that's kind of like where it gets its power, and it is a powerful place mm. like when you're there. You can you can feel that, 
And so, you know, they believe that if you cut down, if you cut down those trees, the spirits won't have a place to live Mm. and the temple will be meaningless. Right. Mm. So you just have, you just have this giant forest in the middle of Tokyo Mm. that just won't be touched because their very belief system protects it. Yeah. Amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a, like, an energetic quality to those sort of places in in Asia, mm-hmm. Japan and Taiwan and even here. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, because, I mean, a lot of those places do have um, Buddhist sanctuaries and uh, monasteries and things like that attached to them. But So it's definitely got an energetic quality that... A lot of cities don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was thinking as I was in Taiwan um, about all of my trips that I've done, and I realized that this is my fourth time in Asia, and mm. that uh, I've pretty much only traveled to Asia, and mm. I never really thought about that. Like, mm. I've always been open to the entire world anytime I'm traveling. Like, where do I want to most go? And mm. I just keep ending up back over here yeah why do you think that is um it's it's hard to say really like i said i didn't really realize that until this trip Mm. but i feel more at home here in Mm. a way like i feel that there's less judgment of, mm. of me like there's that that competitive pressure in, in western society right mm. and for each of us as individuals to succeed sometimes to succeed over another person yes and there's a constant weighing out of like where do i stand amongst other people yeah uh, and like an insecurity sometimes over mm. one's own standing. You know, mm. am, am I good enough to be king of the hill or queen of the hill? Yeah. Do I have what it takes Are to... Are you successful in the society's eyes? Yeah. yeah. Am I successful now? And do I have the ability uh, to become successful mm. in the way that I want to fulfill my dream to... Uh, you know, receive the praise and adoration of my peers and family. Mm. There's like a lot of that kind of pressure. Mm. And I think it causes people to, yeah, to, it it promotes jealousy and envy and causes people to judge others or or try and knock people down a peg. Yeah. And I just don't feel that. I just don't feel the pressure of other people's minds upon me Mm. when I'm in Asia. Like people just leave you alone like Mm. you know i mean and i'm different i'm white-skinned i'm i wear different clothes i'm a traveler people are curious about me Mm. when i walk around people notice me they'll look at me longer than they might look at another hong kong person Mm. um but i feel like yeah they're just curious about me and there's not they're not really judging me Mm. yeah I, i definitely feel that too I do think part of that is not being in the country that you grew up in. Mm. I think that if you staying in the country you grew up in, there are all these societal and family and friend, uh, you know, expectations of you 
to live a certain way or succeed in a certain way and I think as soon as you leave your country of origin and, and live somewhere else that changes mm-hmm. um, because you've already made the conscious decision to live a different life mm-hmm. by, by not choosing the kind of track that is expected of you in your home country mm-hmm. um, so I think part of that f- for me anyway that it comes from that mm-hmm. um, so the expectations of you are different because you're different you've chosen a different life yeah I feel that yeah. I feel I feel like I've gradually liberated myself from other people's expectations kind of just like shed them or yeah be set here that bound that boundary back in back in my home country yeah back in the states it's hard but, to do but there's that other step of shedding my own expectations of myself my internal expectations to yeah yeah meet certain ways yeah it's like it is easier to do that when you go someplace that's completely different that doesn't definitely. hold those values over your head yeah it's like there's, I, f- I always feel more liberated when I travel. Mm. Like, oh, whoa, now I'm just here and I can do whatever I want. Like, yeah. what, what do I actually want to do uh, contrasted with what do I feel obligated to do? Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah, you just, like, your, the, I- the things that make you you, your identity, changes when you're in another country. Mm-hmm compared to when you're at home you know when you're when you're at your home country what you're wearing what your what job you do um what house you have uh what you choose to do on the week you know all these things kind of make you up your identity Mm -hmm. and here that kind of falls away a little bit or when you choose to live somewhere else that falls away Mm -hmm which is like a just a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that all the stuff that you thought that mattered in your home country, actually, well, some of it matters, but it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't hold the same kind of weight and pressure. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, like I, I was reading something about this topic ages ago, and I think it was an American woman, and she was saying how... She'd moved to somewhere in South America. I can't remember which country. And like Uruguay or something like that. And she opened up a pancake shop selling cooking and selling pancakes. And she just lived this really simple, happy life just with this little pancake shop. And and she said that wherever, I can't remember where she was from, the States, I think. She said if she had done that back home it would have been seen as like you you run a pancake shop you know mm. it would have been kind of looked down on a little bit her life and how she lived her life but where in uruguay or wherever it was it was that n- none of that societal judgment was was there mm. she was just building a life for herself that meant that she was healthy and she could live comfortably and happily and yeah it was completely different mm. So if you're fortunate, I think, to leave your home country in for, for reasons other than um, reasons of curiosity and financial um, improvement, then you do shake off that 
the pressures that you have in your home country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's so much opportunity as well out mm. out in the rest of the world too. And I, I just want to bring that up and kind of stress that like I'm I'm starting to see it, but there's so many entrepreneurs out here. F- mm. Yeah, who you know it's like maybe that would be silly to open a pancake shop at home, but in Uruguay, have they ever had pancakes like this? Maybe, you know, yeah. to bring to bring culture or to bring skills to an area. The world is so big and and yet it's so accessible mm. now more than ever. Mm. Um, especially for English speakers. Mm. You know, even even the ability to speak English is a skill that you know, can get you a good paying job in an area that needs it. Yeah. Um or yeah, I don't know. Everyone has so many talents that maybe the p- current place they're in is saturated with that talent. But if you bring it out to another area, you become more unique and more valuable. Mm. And it does take courage to go out and even explore that option, much less like really go for it. Mm. But you know, there yeah, people can improve their lives if they're willing to do that. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, just to say, I think that we are also very lucky because we have the privilege of coming from a wealthy country mm-hmm. where, you know, um, and, and of having a passport that allows us to yeah. kind of just go, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, I've got this opportunity, I'm going to go and live in Asia or, you yeah. know, not many, not many people either are moving countries out of choice or have that that fortune that they can make that choice for themselves totally so we are very lucky we are yeah mm. yeah we have uh we're, we come from stable countries that you know other places want us or we have good relations mm. uh, we have strong currencies yeah the american dollar the british pound you know hong i mean the hong kong dollar is also quite strong currency so mm my money doesn't go as far here but Mm. yeah other places like taiwan or i'm going to thailand next i mean it's amazing that you know what what kind of amazing meals i can get for three to five u.s dollars and yeah and really everything costs about 20 percent of what i'm used to it costing and that's a that's a huge privilege for Mm, sure exactly Mm -hmm. yeah well, shall we close this up? We've had a, about a two-hour conversation. Has it been two hours? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> I reckon we could probably keep going as well. Like we probably could. I think we'd bore everybody on the listening <laughs> in. And we're also so. sitting in a room with no aircon on. Yeah, it's getting so quite warm. I'm getting quite rosy yeah. in the cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we covered a lot of stuff. We did. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. My for first podcast. Oh, good. It's about my... <laughs> so i'm barely ahead of you <laughs> congratulations yeah thanks <laughs> well have a have a beautiful time in hong kong it's good to know that you're here yeah i probably will come through again at some point mm-hmm. like, like i hope city. so and kelly just told me today that she's moving back to hong kong yeah this year. i know she yeah. sent me a message too that's cool yay, yay. the americans are coming to hong kong We're coming to asia <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description. Many episodes have a video component, though not all. And if you've been looking at it in the last couple weeks and haven't seen much, that's because I've been 
struggling with my video editing software, trying to get it all together. It's been more difficult than expected, but most of the episodes are up now and the rest will be up soon. Uh, you can find this episode on YouTube, although it doesn't have a video component. So check that out. Uh, next week, we're going to Thailand where I speak with a mysterious man who goes by the name of Nanashi. Nanashi is Japanese for no name, although this man is not Japanese. He's an American who has been living in Thailand for the last 15 years. He's an ethnobotanist and he grows his own medicinal psychedelic plants, including ayahuasca, chakruna, peyote, San Pedro, and many others that most of us have never heard of. Uh, he mentions a particular plant which is very high in DMT and one that he thinks is higher in DMT than any other plant discovered. So join us for that. He's a very interesting fellow. And don't forget that you can engage with me on social media. Check me out on Facebook, Chronicles of a Psychonaut. You can also find me on Twitter, at FinchCanFly. And on Instagram, I at Chronicles of a Psychonaut, and I'm just finishing up my Taiwan travel posts, and I'm beginning to post my Hong Kong travel pictures this week. So check me out there. Thanks, guys.